It's been a little more than a week since the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee delivered on a promise to unveil and pass America's first look at the next National Surface Transportation Reauthorization Bill. The bill, titled America's Transportation Infrastructure Act of 2019, puts down a marker for spending and stakes out positions on several policy issues. Of course, it's only the first step in a long process that involves other Senate committees, the House of Representatives, and the administration. But it was a welcome development among most in an industry who've waited patiently for something to chew on. This is Hard Facts. I'm Robert Johnson. While many in Washington were focused on the breakdown in talks between the president and congressional Democrats earlier this year, two senators, EPW Chairman John Barrasso and his counterpart across the aisle, ranking member Senator Tom Carper, quietly kept their eyes and those of their staffs on the prize, a bill before the August recess. Last week, they previewed their bill with industry leaders, then promptly passed it out of committee. Rachel Derby is Vice President of Government Affairs for the Portland Cement Association. James O'Keefe is a former EPW committee staffer who now advises PCA and others on federal policy and legislative issues. Both were in the Hard Facts studio this week to offer their assessment of the new bill. Here's what they had to say about it. Well, I, I, uh, that's why we're talking today, because we have a bill, and I assume that's good news. That's great news. We've been incredibly supportive of the committee's work here. They've really delivered on their promises, saying they get some texts out before the August recess and mark it up, and that they did in the nick of time right before folks left. We're looking forward to seeing what the House is going to be doing. I think there's a lot of pressure to get something done. DeFazio's talked about doing that, I think, by the end of the year. You got to see the bill, too, before everyone else did. What was uh, that like? You know, it was fantastic because you got to see a strong show of bipartisanship. Um, You had the majority and minority staff directors there giving an overview of their priorities. And you can see where there was a lot of areas of alignment, particularly on safety, on funds, on making sure we have a new climate title in the bill, talking about resiliency. It was surprising to see how much um, everybody was on the same page there. James, you were uh, looking at the bill, too, at some point, I assume. I don't know if you saw it earlier or not. I might have gotten a copy earlier. Unauthorized. <laughs> Indeed. Not not in the same formal fashion. That's okay. That's more, that's more interesting here in Washington to get that version. So, yeah, I, th- I think that the bill reflects a lot of the priorities that the members were talking about. But backing up a second, I think that they deserve an enormous amount of credit. The bill passed the committee unanimously, which is incredibly hard to do to get everybody in line, especially considering a a very large number of the Democratic members of the committee are running for president. Uh, That creates some odd (laughs) micro politics. Mm -hmm. And so I I think it was a quite impressive feat. Uh, There were no votes, no amendments. Um, I mean, they accepted five amendments, but there were no votes. There were no hostile amendments, which you have to give them a lot of credit for. The bill increased the program in the first year from 2021 by 27%, which is a pretty decent increase. And then it kind of flatlines after that 1% growth. So I I think that they put together a product that had enough money 
in it to get people excited and they covered enough of the basis of people's priorities that everybody was willing to go along with this. Yeah, I mean, at the time of markup, they had 87 letters of support, which is pretty fantastic considering how quickly everything went. Um, Lots of groups, including the North American Concrete Alliance, were highlighted by the committee staff. So you could really see the business community rally behind this effort. Looking forward to pushing it through. We'll see what Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is going to be doing. He's uh, promised some dedicated floor time. The question's when. There's a big appetite for this language. Everyone's been waiting for it, hoping that it would get done. The committee said they would do it before they left town for the August break, and they did that. Indeed. Do you have anything to report since the language was made public? Have you heard anything? What's the buzz since last week? I think that the bill went public, public. Uh, Monday morning. Amendments were due to be filed also Monday morning. So people off the committee didn't, generally speaking, have a lot of time to look at it. Markup was Tuesday. So I think that what you've seen is a lot of outside groups digesting it and mixed reactions. There's a, a lot of new eligibilities that the states like, but some of the more traditional construction groups aren't happy with. There's the ability to spend money off the highway system that people have raised some concerns over. But generally speaking, I think that the consensus here is this is the first step in the process. And there people are encouraged that it's it was a decent sized bill and they're focusing on what they care most about. And the process now, everybody's looking to see who moves next. And the goal of this, from infrastructure advocates' perspective, is we want this to create additional momentum, this move to create additional momentum. And so a lot of people are looking at the House, a lot of people are looking at the Senate Commerce Committee, which I think has the highest probability in the Senate of moving next. They have jurisdiction over car and truck safety. So we need somebody else to move to build on this momentum. Rachel, what in this bill are you following? What does NACA and PCA care about? What do they care about? Great question. There's a lot of cement-specific provisions included in the bill that are consistent with PCA's request, Um, particularly when we talk about steps to advance resiliency, um, resilient transportation projects. Uh, The bill does a good job at having a grant program the program's annual funding is about $760 million in formula funds and about $200 million in competitive grants. And that's going to help states build projects that will improve resiliency. That means roads and bridges. So we're pretty excited about that, particularly as we continue to see an uptake in natural disasters and extreme weather events. Permitting is another huge thing. It's going to be helping our members a lot. The bill, I think, does a lot under the one federal direction policy. The environmental provisions are pretty helpful to our industry. Things that are going to see increased coordination with DOT and federal agencies during the NEPA process, that's pretty exciting for us. It was a huge win, including the widely bipartisan and popular Use It Act, which also focuses on funding for carbon utilization. We're excited to see where they're going to direct those funds for different kinds of capture research improving permitting for carbon capture utilization. So that's exciting to see that included on here. Including the resiliency provisions, I think we also got to see some other things that PCA and a lot of members of NACA care about. 
It included $12 million in funds for the AIDPT program. So that's going to be $6 million for concrete and $6 million for asphalt. They've added a few new reporting requirements that are hopefully going to be easier for us moving forward. And um, we're looking forward to kind of building on some of the resiliency portions of the bill as we talk to our counterparts over on the House side and continue the dialogue here with um, members of the committee. That's a good list, but what you just said there indicates there are a few more things you'd like to talk to members about, including before this thing becomes law. Right. There's certainly room to grow, particularly when we talk about the resiliency provisions There's things that the Federal Highway Administration could be doing. They could develop standards and best practices for building resilient infrastructure. You know, the first $100 million in current annual emergency relief funding should be directed towards mitigation projects. There's a lot that we can be doing with the federal benefit cost analysis process that can be updated. And we're really looking at, when we talk about resiliency, We're looking at not being so prescriptive about what building materials you should be using, but more towards the standards and outcomes that you're looking for. So if we're looking for a road or a bridge to withstand a natural disaster, then you want to be able to see the federal government enabling people to do that and to those kinds of specs, not those kinds of materials. Long list, James. Did we forget anything that's either in the bill or that we'd like to see in it? I think one of the things that the members that could benefit PCA and NACA members is the uh, new bridge program, starting at $600 million a year, increasing to $700 million a year, and it's focusing on large bridges, and I think that that's an opportunity that can really benefit the members. You don't have to be a Washington insider to know that this is the first step. There's this whole other body on the other side of the hill called the U.S. House. We haven't heard anything from them about a bill yet. Uh, but certainly they'll have their own version. What What's going to play out over there now that we've got the Senate's plan on the table? Well, I think DeFazio has been really positive about talking about the bipartisanship and the steps that the Senate's taken. I think there's a lot of room for them to kind of be consistent and build upon that. Clearly, the House is going to have a different kind of agenda. Indeed, yes. Obviously, it's run by the Democrats. The Senate is run by the Republicans. So I think you're going to see a greater focus on some Democratic priorities, bicycle and pedestrian transportation. Uh, I think they'll be more aggressive on allowing highway funds to be used on transit and clean air type projects. I think that they want to take a step away from the current trajectory of where these highway bills have been going and sort of really rethink things and remold the program in their vision, which is going to make some people concerned, obviously. You know, to be a little bit more specific, I think there's something in this bill for everybody. Um, And it was certainly highlighted at the preview of the legislation the week before it came out. And that's, you know, it's not just a rural and urban kind of area. There really is room for all the states. And I think you'll see that being consistent over on the House side as well. And you're going to continue to see an increase in funding. And that's really what we're here for. Our roads and bridges are in disastrous conditions. ASE gives us a D plus. Increasing funds 27% is a big deal. Addressing the rescission, which is done in this, is also a big deal. That's one thing we haven't really talked about yet, Robert, is how are we gonna how are we gonna pay for it? Well, I don't think they've talked about it much either, have they? The finance committee was reported as 
you know, still having right. to take a look at all of this. So Chairman Barrasso and Ranking Member Carper have discussed how they would like to pay for it, and they have mentioned a vehicle miles traveled tax on trucks as one of the primary mechanisms and taxing electric vehicles. So I think that, that especially the VMT on trucks is going to raise a lot of concerns among trucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and a cross-section of business interests. And, you know, Barrasso's been completely consistent of opposing the gas tax. I mean, that's the one thing that has sort of been the steady and constant when we talk about a pay-for in this bill. Right. I think it's open to indexing the current tax, but does not want to increase the tax. So indexing is having the current 18.4 cents increasing with inflation, which is nothing. You know, the impact on consumers remains constant in real terms, and you raise a little bit more money, but it, frankly, I think it actually makes it harder to increase it if it's been indexed. Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about this bill, EPW has done their job, they have delivered, and you're going to see other sections of the bill that are going to need to go through Senate Commerce, they're going to need to go through his GAC, they're going to need to go through Finance. So it's going to make a big difference um, when we see what the final product is and the final pay for is. So this is a good start. It's certainly the momentum we need, we've been looking for. We certainly applaud Barrasso and Carper, their staff, their bipartisan efforts, and we're looking forward to continuing to be in the game and working across or down the hill, I guess, at least, to the House side. It's kind of a blessing and a curse to go first, isn't it, in this town especially? You definitely open yourself up to some criticism, but I think that you get a lot of credit, and I think that a lot of people have been impressed at how well Carper and Brasso have worked together and the fact that they are sort of going out ahead of their leadership, which doesn't you know, which their leadership isn't necessarily excited about. Uh, but they've been given the, the leash and they've done a great job. We always talk about timing when we're discussing this topic. Other bills that reauthorize massive federal programs like agriculture and health care have been done early in the past. There is a little bit of precedent there. Does the Senate's action before the August break portend any change in the final outcome? Does it, does it give us a better chance of finishing this bill before the current one expires at the end of next year? Absolutely. Frankly, if they wouldn't have marked up, I think that the probability of having an extension rather than having a new bill in place would have been dramatically higher than it is now. The morning of the markup, the president tweeted and his support for the process and for infrastructure spending, I think that we need other committees to follow the lead of the EPW committee and to begin the process. And I think that uh, if, if EPW would not have been able to make this deadline that they had, you know, self-imposed deadline, that they'd been very public about, it would have sent all the wrong messages. And the fact that they've done this now, everybody's eyes have, are now turning to the House, they've turned to the Senate, to other committees in the Senate, and the, the discussion on pay-fors is much more public. You have people being asked about it. And the House, I think, has accelerated their timeline as a direct result of this because they know people are watching them. And much to the chagrin of the House Transportation and Infrastructure staff who had August plans that might have been cut a little bit short. So do we think that when the recess ends, there will be more legislation to look at before the end of the year? Look, there's 423 days left for highway and transit policy to be renewed. 
Um, that's a little over a year here. And we've got a jumpstart, I think, for the first time in a really long time. And that's pretty exciting. But make no mistake, there's a lot more work left to do. And usually the clock runs out. No, oh, it always has. But you're hinting that there might be more to come on this in the fall, maybe. Somewhere. That's the goal. If you want this bill to be reauthorized on time, somebody else has to take the baton from EPW and move. And if there's too much time, people's attention will have moved on. And so I would really like to see, it doesn't have to be a public bill, doesn't have to be a markup, but need significant progress to be occurring within, you know, within committees on negotiations. I mean, this, this EPW bill has been a year and a half in negotiation. So to expect TNI to turn something around in a month and a half is probably possible. It's easier to do things like that in the House than in the Senate, but because it tends to be less collaborative and more prescriptive from the chairman. And if you look at, you know, Senator Thune, he's already saying it's going to be a heavy lift um, to fund surface transportation. And certainly as, as he's talking from a leadership perspective and also a committee perspective, that's not a positive sign if you're looking at keeping that momentum going. And that's why it's really important for folks at home to keep the pressure on um, the business community, these coalition efforts, it does make a difference. It keeps this issue at the forefront. All the work is not for naught. It's really building towards that bigger reauthorization and package that right moment. Not just in the Senate, but also in the House, both sides. Yes, absolutely. Final thoughts about this process, how it's played out so far, and what we ought to be looking for next? Good first step in the right direction. You know, we're here to work through the process, to build on it, help with tweaks. We're here to help bring stakeholders together and communicate, you know, making sure that the Republicans are talking to the Democrats, the House and the Senate are talking, different committees are talking, and that information is getting shared. There are a number of improvements we want to see made to the EPW bill. They seem open to those discussions and to working with us. Hopefully, we can make this a better bill, and hopefully another committee takes the baton and continues the process. Next week, we explore the state's view and their efforts to fund transportation projects while Congress noodles a federal plan. Our guest is Carlos Braceras, president of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. He also is executive director of the Utah Department of Transportation. Many guests have talked about the hard work states are doing to keep construction programs moving. Now we hear from the man who leads them. That's Wednesday, August 14th on Hard Facts, a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Robert Johnson. I'll see you then. Mm-hmm.